0: This is Atlantic City.
1: Atlantic City was kind of America on steroids.
0: I didn't run for mayor of Atlantic City. I ran for governor of New Jersey.
2: It was, you know, another day in Atlantic (laughs) City, another crisis and things.
0: I've been able to call Atlantic City my Miss America home.
3: This is the Atlantic City Story.
0: From the Press of Atlantic City Newsroom, I'm Erin Serpico. On this week's Atlantic City Story podcast, we take a look at a concept we don't often address on this podcast, crime and what's being done about it. I sat down with Joel Kaplan, an associate professor of criminal justice at Rutgers University, who developed a crime analysis tool called Risk Terrain Modeling. It uses data and analysis to find out where crimes are likely to take place, and also looks at what kind of landscape factors are influencing that crime. The tool has been fully implemented in Atlantic City Police Department in 2017, and the department says it has resulted in a decrease in crime. We were joined this week with Joel Kaplan, along with the Atlantic City Police Department's Captain James Sarkis and Captain Jerry Barnhart, who discussed with us how the analysis tool has worked in the city. Enjoy. Joel, you had come up with this idea of risk terrain modeling. Can you tell us a little bit about how that applies to crime in general and in Atlantic City specifically?
1: Sure. Uh, risk terrain modeling was first developed by Dr. Kennedy and I at Rutgers University. And essentially what RTM does is it identifies risky facilities or features in an environment and how they interact to create or aggravate crime risks so risk trade modeling is essentially a crime analysis technique which is used to identify places where crime is most likely to occur and places where uh, criminals would prefer to commit crime because it's the easiest to do and this information is then used by police and other city officials to deploy resources for forecasting or for intervening for crime prevention.
0: Can you kind of describe to us how you came about uh, to Atlantic City to implement this in, in a city like this?
1: Yeah, I uh, got a phone call, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Captain Zarcos gave me, uh, gave me a call, and he could probably describe it better than me, but he, uh, I think he heard about it from someone else, uh, heard my name, and realized that we knew each other. Um, we went to the same high school. We were on the same rescue squad uh, a long time ago. But um, uh, he learned that I was at Rutgers and working on this crime analysis technique. He was uh, at Atlantic City um, for many years now and thought that this would be appropriate to try. So uh, we met, talked about it, met with the chief and other commanders, and uh, they uh, they agreed.
0: And now that was back in 2015, I believe?
1: Yeah, um, fall of fall of 2015.
0: okay so now take us through how that kind of then developed to to being fully implemented in 2017.
1: sure so
2: you know it all started off when i was at a atlantic cape community atlantic cape community college criminal justice advisory board committee meeting along with chief white and one of the other committee members had mentioned how uh, a young professor at rutgers university named dr joel kaplan was doing some restound work in the area of restraint modeling and geospatial crime analysis and, uh, you know, I recognized his name because I went to high school with Joel. And the chief and I talked about it, and it sounded very fascinating, the work he was doing, very cutting edge. So we decided something we were interested in pursuing further. So we gave Joel a phone call, asked if he would be willing to come down to the Atlantic City Police Department and talk about some of the work he's been doing. And Joel gladly accepted our offer and came down and gave us a nice presentation and all these things. And uh, we were blown away by it we thought it was it was uh we liked the concept we liked how it focuses on places and not people and it was exactly what we wanted to do and we decided to implement the program along with ruckers at the Atlantic city police department and it's been very successful we're really happy with it uh, and it's been well received by the community as well
0: now when you say focusing on places and not people can you explain how that sort of works from a, a data perspective and from an implementation perspective
1: yeah So sure. Here, here's the playground example uh Uh, What risk-train modeling does is it identifies features of the landscape that attract certain types of behavior. Now, we all operate in space, so uh, criminals operate in space for the purpose of committing crime, and and non-criminals operate for legal activities. Um, But what we find is that all of our patterns are influenced by the environments and and the attractors and generators of certain activities to create settings that are most conducive. Uh, to these types of activities. So what risk-train modeling does for the purposes of crime is it identifies features of the landscape that attract offenders or illegal behaviors to certain places over and over again and allows us to allocate resources to those locations to try to um, change those settings, make them unattractive, uh, so that they no longer um, attract crime or become suitable for crime. And the analogy that we use is the playground example where uh, unrelated to crime, but if you can imagine a place where children repeatedly play over and over again, and you only focus on those kids, you'd uh, identify certain areas as being hotspots for, for kids playing. But if you take your focus off the kids, off the people, and put it on the places, you'd realize that there's swings and slides and open fields and features of, the pl- of this place that we might think of as a playground. And it's these qualities of the environment that attract children to this location instead of other places and uh, that don't have these types of attractive qualities, which allow us to anticipate the types of behavior we would expect at this location. In the case of kids, we expect expect playful behavior at playgrounds. And in the case of high-risk locations for crime with regard to risk-train modeling, we expect crime outcomes. And that allows us to make forecasts, to deploy resources, and to develop intervention strategies that try to change those outcomes before they occur without worrying about... Who's present there at any given moment in time? It allows us to focus on the places themselves.
0: And now, is this the kind of a similar idea as like predictive policing? Um, does that kind of tie into to your work?
1: It fits in the category of predictive policing, but um, predictive policing comes in all shapes and forms. And uh, what we think of with this is more of risk assessment or risk governance. Um, forecasting might be a better use of of the um, of the phrase uh, or might be a better synonym than predictive policing, but essentially forecasting takes into account the ability to assess risk and anticipate outcomes in probability, in a a probabilistic way. And um, risk-trained modeling would, I guess, fit in the category of predictive policing, but it, it allows for a much broader understanding of the problem and a much more strategic or tactical response to the problem areas.
0: So from the police department perspective, was that like a new way of thinking or was it just kind of an opportunity to jump off and kind of implement a a program?
2: It definitely was a new way of thinking. And if you look at traditional hotspot policing, you have a map and you show where all your crimes occurring and then you go and you attack that area. And that, that comes at a high cost because if we've... If we say this area is high in crime and then we're constantly stopping everyone who happens to be in that particular area it really turns the community off and if i'm a person who lives in an area that the police deems to to be a hot spot i shouldn't be stopped by the police every time i walk out of my door and i'm going to work or taking my kids to school or coming back from school so that's what we did not want to do with traditional hotspot policing and that's what we like about risk terrain modeling is we try to figure out what is it about this particular spot that's attractive to crime and now what can we do to address why crime is happening here so it doesn't reoccur again you look back at traditional hotspot policing and these hotspots have been our hotspots for 20, 30 years and they don't change. So if we're attacking the people in that area and it's not causing that that area to not become a hotspot anymore, then it's really not successful. So this is a different way of looking at it and saying, what is it about this particular area that's attracting crime to it and what can we do to fix that so it doesn't come here anymore? And then it takes it to the next step by saying, hey, well, where else do we think this might occur now that has similar features that's attracted to crime to make sure we're not just displacing people from one area to another and then they commit crime somewhere else.
0: Pushing it off, so to speak, yeah.
2: Dr. Kaplan actually calls it whack-a-mole, which I think is a very good term for it. We we attack one area and then crime pops up over here. So this tries to keep us ahead of that.
0: So what does that look like if somebody were kind of looking down on the city from a broad perspective? What does this process look like in, in the city?
2: Well, so one example I can give is uh, abandoned houses. So when we ran the risk terrain model, we found that abandoned houses was testing as significant. And the city only has a certain pot of money that they can use to tear down abandoned houses. And before they would maybe tear down the houses based on the amount of complaints they got and things of that nature. But now we run it through the risk terrain model and we determine which houses should be turned down first based on which ones are more associated with crime occurring in that area. So it's a really a much better for way for of us to be efficient and effective at spending that money and at reducing crime.
1: And to uh, continue from that, you know, risk trade modeling identifies where crime is happening, but also why. So it allows all of these responses to not just be deployed to certain areas, but to have a sense of what they're going to do when they get there. Uh, in this case, vacant Properties is identified as a significant risk factor, and many other factors can also be identified as, as significant risk factors in how they kind of interact to create these unique behavior settings. So it allows for the police to engage with other members of the community and other members of the city government to come up with kind of comprehensive strategies for responding to these areas that shares the burden Across multiple agencies and multiple stakeholders.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you brought up a a great point I mean, it seems like this process really involves a lot of analysis and looking at data from the past But also working with other agencies. So what has that looked like? Um, What are some other agencies that have been involved in this process?
2: Well, we've been uh, involved with Public Works with the city's planning and development unit um, fire department We've all been involved together because, you know, it's, crime is not just a police problem. It's, it's really everyone's problem. And, of course, our biggest partner is the community. And one of the things we do with, with this project is we have monthly community meetings where we invite members of the public in and we share this data with them. And we get their input as to why they think certain areas are more attractive to crime than other, and also get their input on what we can do to solve it. And I think that's a huge uh been a huge success with this program and and a vital key to it is that community involvement you know the police can't do this alone and we can't do it without the public and uh they they've actually loved the project they love coming to these meetings and and sharing and being part of the solution and it's been very helpful
0: are you referring to the action meetings by any chance i am could you elaborate on that a little bit and tell us about what the what the action meetings uh, entail
1: yeah joel do you want to sure um action meetings action is an acronym uh and it's essentially a, a process or an agenda that we use at each one of these meetings where we uh, develop risk assessments and we uh, try to better understand the problems through those risk assessments and engage with the community to get their feedback and to understand their perspectives and expectations and how uh, the police and others should respond to these problems and these problem areas. So, you know. What what all of this allows is not just for community engagement, but also allows for a level of transparency so that everybody knows what everybody else is doing and has an understanding of what those expectations should be so that when they are met or exceeded or um, slightly underwhelming, we can readjust and make sure that everybody's on the same page during the next go-around. So it, it allows for not just... Uh, police to engage public safety problems but for police to engage the community to work with them to address public safety concerns.
3: So one of the ways that uh, our patrol division is, is assisting in this process is that each month RTM prints out a uh, location sheet so all of our officers then visit those locations throughout their tour of duty and if it's, say, it's a convenience store they'll stop in check in sign something and then uh, spend a few minutes speaking inside there and then I'll move on to the next location. So it's a high visibility thing, along with community relations thing, which is a great aspect of it, is that our officers are out of the cars, visiting with the community, engaging with them, as well as deterring crime at the same time.
0: Is that also part of this initiative or had that been going on beforehand?
3: We had always done keep a checks throughout the city, but this has really pushed it to the forefront.
0: So what what happens when they make a, a visit? What does that kind of look like for, you know, if it's a store, if it's a store owner, and do they interact with the, the police officer? Are they kind of just in the area? Do they go into, into the store and talk to customers?
3: The way we have it set up is our officers are, they'll get out of their patrol car, they'll go into the store and have somebody within the store, a manager or a worker, sign one of our RTM sheets so they can show that they actually visit that store during that shift. They'll speak with them for a little while, come back out to their car, And as they have more free time they'll make additional stops throughout the city
0: and is that also based on um you know looking at data and um risk i guess as well so you know they wouldn't be making the same stop at the same store every day i guess it would have to do with what had happened in the past or what had happened that week
3: correct Um, we get a new rtm sheet every month with new locations so if there has been a shift based on the assessment of where we should be, then we'll shift our officers to those locations, and we'll visit different locations.
0: And so, now, if my understanding is correct, this kind of went in two phases, right? So, the beginning of 2017, um, and then the end of 2017, kind of put it together for the fully implemented program.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's probably it's probably worth noting that you know, at all these stages, all the different phases, um, the Atlantic City Police Department spearheaded this, so they're they're really the central hub. They have they manage the data, they run the analyses, um, they've they've. They appreciate the uh, or they take they have the right mindset to make this work so from there they they um, engage with others to participate in this process and um, while this was originally a partnership that was done between the Atlantic City Police Department with support uh, from city government and also the prosecutor's office in the early stages um, this has continued uh, alone uh, by the uh, police department uh where am I going with this? Since uh, this has continued for the past, this, this four, has months. Yeah. The past yeah. four months, right? Where are we now in, in mm-hmm. April? So we began this project in 2015, thinking ahead about how we would implement it in 2016. 2016 was phase one, where we essentially did a series of tabletop exercises. We used risk train modeling to optimize its analytical technique and the analytical process to make sure that the data existed to allow us to continue this on a regular basis. Uh, 2016 proved to be successful in terms of its forecastability or predictive validity. And then there was full implementation of risk-based policing with risk train modeling in 2017, which included monthly action meetings that were police only meetings as well as uh, regular m- meetings that were action meetings with the community that was invited to participate as well. And through a series of these meetings and analyses that repeated uh, each month, they were able to stay ahead of the crime problem and they were able to um, deploy their resources and do what they do best, which is prevent crime and uh, catch people committing crimes, but to be in the right places at the right times with the right intelligence and information to have a meaningful impact on crime problems uh, in a way that resulted in a 36% reduction in crime. And not only was it a 30% 36% reduction in crime at the end of the year, but it was month-to-month crime reductions that ultimately were sustained and added up to a really meaningful and impactful um, crime change. And it goes to the credit of the police and the other stakeholders uh, and city officials that made it happen. It was not risk-trained modeling that reduced crime. It was really how people use the information from the analysis to uh, to inform their decision-making processes and um, respond accordingly.
0: You kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask, you know, looking at the successes over the year, I guess the year had come to an end and there was some analysis of what you actually saw um, take place through, th- uh, throughout the, the previous year. But I mean, like you had mentioned, RTM kind of works in tandem with a bunch of other programs that the police department has going on, as well as other agencies in, in the area, in Atlanta County, in the state. So can you kind of speak to, how, how do you know that the, the success is coming from, from this initiative or, or do you not? I mean, how, how do you kind of quantify that?
2: Yeah, it it definitely is something that can be challenging as far as trying to quantify it. I mean, you really don't know what crimes you stop from occurring, right? So, but that's the whole idea. I mean, we should judge our success not on how many arrests we make, but on what crimes we stop. And you really don't know for sure what crimes you stop. You know for sure when you have a crime, but it's tough to really say for sure what crimes you have stopped. But uh, we're trying to judge our success based on community satisfaction, visitor satisfaction, uh, the perception that's out there and it seems like it's been working and we're moving in the right direction um, but we definitely have seen a reduction in crime based statistically on how many crimes have occurred in the past as opposed to what's being occurring now but that's our goal is to stop a crime ever from occurring and if we do that then you're truly successful
0: and we're talking about 36 percent reduction from uh, 2016 to 2017 right so over a year's period
1: uh, from uh, january to December of 2017 compared to the same time period the previous year.
0: Okay and have we seen um, the same kind of trend for you know the past five years for, for more than just this one year period uh, Was specifically in Atlantic City? I don't know if you can speak to that.
2: I mean crime has been trending down in Atlantic City for a long time but this really we think helped us get a a big jump on it. But there was a lot of investment made in Atlantic City recently with gunshot detection system, ShotSpotter, um, with a new CAD records management system we have right now called TriTech. We also have Tip 4-on-1 anonymous tip testing service. And also our community outreach. We really doubled down on the community outreach that we've been doing for the last couple of years under the direction of Chief Henry White. And that's really uh, had some great paid some great dividends back to us because like I said before you you really have to get the community involved but everything is a tool in the toolbox so it's really tough to say that this one thing helped us out tremendously we give a lot of credit to risk terrain modeling but everything together has been a big help and like Dr. Kaplan said I, I think our most precious resource is the dedication of the men and women of the Atlantic City Police Department and they're the ones who put in the blood sweat and tears that make all this happen.
0: And, and now you kind of also answered my question, but in terms of sustainability for this kind of decrease, what do you have in mind or plan to move forward to keep this decrease going? Um, you know, will things look pretty much the same moving forward? Are you gonna kind of look for other ways to, you know, uh, boost this, this idea?
2: So I, I think we're investing a lot in technology right now. We have a surveillance Center that we opened up this past year that's uh, operational 24 seven now with retired police officers and officers on light duty. They're watching cameras throughout the city. Uh, 158 cameras on the boardwalk, also cameras in the Atlantic City Housing Authority and privately owned cameras that residents and businesses are giving us remote access to. We actually call that part of the project, Project PACT, P-A-C-T, stands for Protecting Atlantic City Together, but we're, you know, it's really hard to look at the whole city together and try to say, hey, what area should I focus on right now? So risk-term modeling helps us by saying this one particular area is where you want to focus your, your time and efforts on. And even when it comes to cameras, you know, it's tough for me to reach out to everyone in the city at the same time and say, hey, I'd like to have remote access to your cameras, but now I can use the risk-terrain model and say I'm going to prioritize my outreach and reach out to these businesses first because that's where we're seeing the need to have access to their cameras and get to everyone else as soon as we can. So it's helping us prioritize all these other initiatives that we're doing at the same time so it does tie together very nicely.
1: You know, during the time, uh, during 2017, when risk-based policing with RTM was implemented, you know, the police still responded to calls for service, still responded to 911 calls, still patrolled all parts of the city. They just gave extra priority attention to the areas that were highest risk. And this extra attention with a, uh, an understanding of what they're to do when they get there to focus on the places to change the settings for the better um, allowed for a multifaceted strategy to address crime and public safety problems in the city. And risk-train modeling also you know, takes advantage of the existing investments that the city and the police department have made in technologies and information management. It takes the data that they already have, it analyzes the data that they already use across multiple agencies and, and brings it together in one place, and uh, it allows for uh, integration with their surveillance center and with their other technologies and computer aided dispatch and records management systems that they've invested quite heavily in um, up until this point. So it doesn't—it's not a replacement for anything that they've already been doing. It's a supplement, and it's uh, like uh, Captain said, it's another tool in the toolkit.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming out here and, and sharing—you know—these ideas behind the strategy with us. Um, is there anything else that you think the public should know about this this idea or you know crime in Atlantic City in in general?
1: When, when just six crimes are prevented, it saves the local criminal justice system and the local healthcare care system almost $200,000 dollars um, in expenses. And so these investments in the police and in crime prevention, have an exponential return on investment. So this is not just a 36% crime reduction. This is not just a, a handful of shootings that were prevented. These are lives that were potentially saved, and a significant return on investment to the local community and to local taxpayers, and something that the police should be credited with, and they should um, take as a uh, as uh, a job well done.
2: We we all have high expectations for 2018. We think it's going to be a stellar year for the city of Atlantic City all looking forward to the new casinos that are opening and Stockton University coming on board and the Atlantic City Police Department is really embracing technology as a way to help us be more efficient and more effective and making everyone safe and and, uh, have a happy and fun trip to Atlantic City and I think you're going to see in the years to come how we really double down on technology and everything we're doing and use that to, to really drive down crime even more.
0: Yeah, and like you said, there is a lot coming to Atlantic City in 2018, whether it's new buildings or things opening. Um, So I'm sure that this kind of idea will, will help you move forward in keeping it safe.
2: It is, and, and we have a lot of meetings with new investors when they come to town. And one of the things they like to do is like to come to the police department, the public safety building, and tour the surveillance center. And we've gotten great feedback by that. Everyone seems very impressed at what we're doing. And we think that's going to also help bring new businesses to Atlantic City because it gives them a little bit of assurance when they come here to see all the new things and innovative things that we're doing.
1: And it's worth noting that as, as the environment changes... The analytical technique of risk-train modeling can take into account these changing dynamics and constantly allow um, people to stay ahead of these crime problems as the environment influences crime patterns differently over time.
0: Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and um, for giving us some perspective. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you.